Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. But very pleased that my first guest this week, well, he needs very little introduction, to be honest, but this is how things are going this season so far. Davis and number 11 for trainer Paul Nichols. Pink Dory is between the pair. There's trio going to hit the line together. Pink Dory, Remelux, Valentine, Sielda, Nerge. Soupy Soup finishing with a wet sail. Give me a copper trying to cling on. A thundering finish. Give me a copper lasting home. It is Time White trying to see off Anna Bonina, and Time White has got the better of Anna Bonina and group stage and won the Scottish Triumph. And Sir Psycho looks a smart juvenile. He's going to continue Paul Meckles' record in this race and win decisively. They run up to the line, Keldestan and Harry Compton leading by two, and they stay in front to win. They've got another 100 yards to go. It is Rodon who's out in front, and Rodon and Brightly Frost win. I think it's safe to say, champion trainer Paul Nichols, it never gets old, does it? It never gets uh, old. You're still uh, enjoying it. Uh, uh, I probably enjoy it more than ever. It's like seeing those um, clips from this year. A bit of a slow start, but you know, picking up well now and winning plenty of good races. And yeah, absolutely love it. And of course, we spoke this time last <coughs> year in these very seats. I've not seen you plenty since, mm. but you were you were trying to get the championship back mm. then. Now you've got it. Of course, you're putting the pressure on yourself to keep it again. Of course, you do. Um, you know, especially this time of year when it's you know you know he's always close and it's not that long left of the season. Um, you know, it's like anything. If it, like the football teams, if they win the Premiership, they're going to want to try and win it again the year after. You could, you, but at the same time, you know, there's lots of wonderful races to win, and that's mm. what you're trying to do week in week out. And you've taken the approach really the last few seasons that mm. it's about the season as a whole. You yeah. look at the season as a whole and try and find opportunities. Yeah. Everywhere, yes, yeah. Cheltenham, yeah. but everywhere yeah. else as well. Is yeah. that fair? Yeah, you have to. Um, you know, there's so many good races either side of Cheltenham, um, and all through the season, you've got to, you know, you can't just focus just entirely on Cheltenham. We try and just focus on Cheltenham with all, so we think you're good enough to go there and warrant being there. The others are better off going elsewhere, and there's lots of fantastic races from Cheltenham through the end of March and through April that are there to be won. And it seems silly not to start with this horse mm. because he dominates the front page of the mm. Racing Post today. Solo out on his own. Nichols' new star shoots to the top of the Triumph Hurdle market. And if there's <clears> anything <throat> that excites us in this game, it's a young horse mm. who's unbeaten and pretty unexposed, making a really mm. startling, sparkling impression. That's exactly what he did. That must have given you a bit of a kick yesterday. Yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, he's always excited us. Um, he's always shown us he's a lovely, lovely horse. Um, 
he did what we'd hoped he'd do, but you know, had so much experience with some of the French horses coming over with a reputation and not, not acclimatising that first year and sort of blown out on their first run. Until they, you actually see them do it, you're not sure, but that was a fantastic performance yesterday. He just looked very easy and yeah. rhythmic and laid back. He is, that's a great thing you said, it. he's laid back, he's class, he jumps great, he's, you know, he takes loads and loads of work, which is good, and he's just a proper horse. How confident were you going into yesterday? If he didn't sort of, uh, as a cool blowout, because he, he wasn't acclimatised, I thought he would win. I thought he was going to win at Wincanton last week if he had been on there, which was going to be telling us where we're going to go. This has worked out a lot better. Um, you know, a lot of the horses, like Pick Dory came over from last year with big reputation around the trunk, but he'd run seven or eight times and had a hard time for 18 months. This lad had only had two runs. As a big and strong horse, he, 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 we've been able to train him. That's the big thing. We've been able to train him how we want. The others, you have to be really careful because they're normally very lean and light and not ready to be trained where he is. Uh, there are so many horses for sale in mm. France. Mm. Uh, how do you find the right ones? Well, you just got to keep looking. I mean, Claude Charlet and Geoffrey Hewitt picked this one out. He was second on his first run to a horse we've got called Strat Stratagem. Obviously, a super run first time. We weren't expecting him to win, and he, he travelled well and stayed on. And the next day, he improved again and he won 15 lengths. And I remember watching it and texting Johnny straight away and said, we better be buying that. And he said, don't worry, we're already on it. And mm. you know, you see a horse like that, you've got to be trying to buy it. But the competition is, is, is obviously tough. Everybody wants to try and buy those horses. But um, Joffrey managed to do a deal with the owners and, and we bought him. Yeah, you've talked about that before, how for that period mm. after the mm. great horses at Ditch, it, it, you were struggling to get a, mm. a toehold into, mm. into some of those big French operations. You've evidently got that back again. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard because there is such competition, and they, they don't all work out like Pick Dory and like him. Obviously, I mean, everybody finds that, but um, you know, they're there. You just got to work hard at trying to find them. And um, you know, the minute he came into the yard, that horse, I hadn't seen him beforehand. Just the videos, I texted Johnny and said, "This is a proper horse. This is what we want." You know, he's a big chasing type. He's by Capguard, who's a Sarah Clanders about. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love Capguard. And that's the type of horse you want. But you know, as I said, everybody does as well. You know, they're not—they're not easy to get. You mentioned Clandes Obo. Uh, would it be fair to say that if there's one thing you really want, it's another Gold Cup? That—that that, that is yeah. an overarching yeah. ambition beyond anything else. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, I've been very lucky to have won four. I think the most anyone's ever trained is five. I think it was Fault Warner, Vincent O'Brien. You can correct me on. I'm sure they both won five Gold Cups. It'd be nice to win a fifth Gold Cup, obviously, yeah. It'd be wonderful. And especially for my landlord, I know he put so much into it. The Gold Cup is what his life's all about. He's been very lucky to have won two with Denver and the Seymour business, but if we could ever win a third one for him and the horse he's involved in with Jed and Alex Ferguson, it would be great. And so I'm fingers crossed, Glenn Dezo, but everything goes right for the next fortnight. Normally speaking, a runaway King mm. George winner would be, mm. if not dominating mm. the market for King George, at least up there in the, mm. the first three in the betting. Now, he's not. Should he be? He doesn't know what price is. I think it's a very open race amongst the top four or five. He's definitely in the form of his life, and he's definitely better than he was last year. And everyone says he's got a, not a great Cheltenham record, which probably goes against him, but actually, it has, if you look at it closely, he should never run in the Triumph. He was a wrong type of horse to run in the Triumph. That was just... You know, on his killing time for the next year, he he was beaten ahead in the dip and novice chase by I think Whisper ran very well. Carried eleven stone twelve as a five-year-old in the Caspian Cavalier Gold Cup and was second. And he was half the horse then, and he ran a blind in last year's Gold Cup. Um, so what what do you make of last year's Gold Cup then? What do you think 
he did right and wrong? Well, he, he didn't really do anything wrong. He finished fifth. He, we probably made too much use of him. We were right on the front end all the way. And the rain the night before probably didn't help his stamina a little bit then. Um, and, of course, he'd run at Ascot only you know, a few weeks beforehand when he won the Denver chase. So you're training them differently than when you're that close to a race as what we're doing now, mm. having not run from Kempton until you know, Boxing Day to the Gold Cup. And he is a horse that needs to be very, very fit which, and very fresh. Well, you can't do the fitness thing when it's too close to a run. And you saw from Down Royal to um, Kempton the improvement in him, um, and the same thing now. And um, you know, it's caught to a star actually. The year that I got him beat in the Gold Cup, he'd done the same thing. He'd run at Ascot, and then he got beat the year after we learnt our lesson and went from straight from Kempton to Cheltenham. And you can just get them that much fitter and better. So we're hoping this year that we've got a stronger horse. We'll, you know, will stay the trip well, and then we'll be in a better place than he was last year. So you think inherently there's no issue with his stamina. Well, no, I think that, you know, if you win two King Georges, you have to stay to win King Georges. I've known that, you were all those horses. And actually, Sam said to me that day, if it had been three and a quarter miles, he'd have won. And at the end of the race, he's, he couldn't pull him up. That was the best thing I saw. He's gone through the line and he was off down the side. So, no, I don't think there was an issue in his stamina. We just have to get him at his very best and hope it's not um, like bottomless ground. You know, if he just dried out a little bit. And I will ride him totally different this year. We will take our time with him and try and produce him late into the race. So we learned a lesson last year on that. I think we've got him in a better place. So I think he, I think he's got a leading chance. Who do you think is, is the horse with the, with the best chance other than yours? Well, I think Album Photo is probably the one to beat. He, he won the race well last year. He's obviously had a great preparation. He's had the one run. He's going to go there relatively fresh. So, you know, he, he could equally have improved a little bit because he's that much year older. He's probably the one. But then, you know, the two horses that finished behind um, Santini and Delta Work that finished behind top of the game, they're undoubtedly, you know, have been informed they stay well. You know, they're decent horses. That last year's RSA was a good race. So it's a proper race. Um, take a bit of win like any Gold Cup does, but I couldn't be happier, you know, going in, into it with our fella anyway. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel, Dubai. 11 times champion trainer Paul Nichols remains with me alongside Daily Mirror's newsboy, David Yates. Luck Good on morning, Sunday, regular. How yes. are you? Good to oh, see very you. Well. Good to see you. Good weekend? Uh, an informative weekend at Kempton yesterday. Uh, I thought a couple of very promising uh, performances with a view to the Cheltenham Festival. And, uh, yeah, coming along with the 24-page pullout for... At the start of the 2020, can you give, all, give away any any big secrets of the pullout this year? Uh, well, I don't know about secrets. We've got some, you know, uh, we've got Paul Town and Rachel Blackmore pieces, which are quite interesting. Obviously, mm -hmm. uh, Paul Town in first Cheltenham Festival as number one jockey to Willie Mullins, and Rachel Blackmore's career goes on the up con uh, continually, so continuously. Um, so yeah, should be. I hope it'll be pretty interesting. Fingers crossed. And a busy week for, for you because of the publication of this 130-page document, A Life Well Lived for the Horse Welfare Board. We'll talk about that later. Racing Post described it as a bright new dawn. There we are, bright new dawn for racing. Is it a bright new dawn? Well, my, my problem with that headline is that uh, I remember once interviewing uh, a particularly chippy footballer, whom I shan't name, uh, but played in the top flight. Why did you look at Paul when yeah. you said that? No, because he, he laughed. He, he has an interest in football. Um, so, I interest, uh, interviewed this chippy footballer and I said, you, you seem in really good form at the moment. Mm. To which he replied, what, you mean I wasn't last week? 
And I thought, yeah, all right, have it your way. And the, the problem with uh, the headline in the trade paper is that it, it suggests, really, that it's a bright new dawn today, but yesterday it was all a bit dark. And I don't think anybody believes that. I think that all of us work, who work in horse racing uh, think that it's a, uh, an ethically defensible activity and that standards mm. are extremely high and that uh, the staff in stables love the horses that they care for um, and that whilst of course one is you know ev every form of human activity one is striving to better oneself that goes without saying um, that you know, you know there are it, it's uh, it's a perfectly don't get me wrong it's per of course it's a it's a laudable uh, it's a laudable aim. We'll talk about the Pro Kush, uh, I'm sure, over the next uh, hour or two. But it, as I say, you know, it, it's not as if this is some. I, I don't. I don't. I would laugh at the word watershed, as in, you know, I'm sitting next to what an 11-time champion trainer. Are you? Mm. You know, I've been to Dishit loads of times, and I, I know the standards which. Uh, which are maintained there, uh, and, and that is the case with m every stable I've been to, whether they have championship uh, status, champion status or not. And so I, I do slightly bulk at the idea that this is some sort of watershed and we're, we're, we're emerging from the dark ages where we used to abuse horses to make them uh, run faster. I think that the, the, uh, the aim has always been the highest possible standards of welfare. We're going to talk about that plenty during the course of the programme. We'll look back on yesterday's action first and start with the Betway Handicap Chase at Kempton Park. Betway stepping in at the 11th hour to sponsor <coughs> this feature race. And Mr Malarkey, the winner, is already in front. But, Paul, most of the attention was on one or two of yours in behind, particularly Black Horton, who, uh, circumstances dictated, wasn't really able to do what Black Horton can do best, which is sort of dictate and mm. dominate on a speed-favouring track. Do you think he was unlucky? Um, it's easy to say they're unlucky. Um, I think things are going to be different. I mean, he started on the wide outside. I don't quite know why Brian, he was out there. He was almost out in the car park when he jumped off and he's gone wide down. I think he jumped the first fence sort of eighth, ninth or tenth. And then he, he was immediately on the back foot. Did amazingly well to run on through and finish second. Um, and normally he loves to be in the first three or four in the van and it, it didn't happen yesterday. So he got behind and has made up an amazing amount of ground. Collins always kept on galloping and, and you know he turned in and was gone and was never going to be really passed but it was just one of those races yesterday where it didn't work out at all for Black Court and, and amazing with 11 stone 12 he stayed on really strongly all too late. Sumatagal's ran a fine yeah. race again. Sumatagal ran a blinder and he's 11 now he keeps on running really good races Brian Carver gave, gave him a great ride Adrian Dupont who we thought had a big chance just Travelled far too free the first half of the race, and that is his undoing. He needs to switch off, and you think it is age by now. He, he would do, but he's always too keen. We've talked about starts a lot the last couple yeah. of weeks. We talked about it with Pick Dory winning the yeah. Betfair Hurdle the other day. We'll have a look at the start yesterday. Mm. Big field for this chase. And there's Black Horton right on the on the right of picture. So he's on the outside, the white cap, second from the right. And look, he's just being a little skittish at the start, and that's not helped him, has it, or helped Bryony? No, it hasn't, but in, in an idol, I think Bryony jumped, rode him again, she'd be jumped off right, and, you know, he goes right-handed, he jumps right, you want to be just sort of towards the inner with Salmon to Gallin, Adrian Duponto, and actually there's a fair bit of room on the inside if you look as it come to the first minute, whereas everybody's wide, and he, he's immediately in trouble. So he's lost a couple of places, he's flat out, he's on the outside, it, it doesn't help. 
and the horses at Samatagal, Mr. Malarkey, look where they are. And there's actually quite a bit of room around the inside as it's turned out. And then he, he sort of he gets into, in, in, you know, he's always just then playing catch up. But he's run a mighty, mighty race. Amazing what race. a fine effort with the weight. And just watching him stay on strong yesterday just made me wonder whether he'd be worth an entry in um, is it the Bet365 Gold Cup yeah. or the old Whitbread Gold Cup mm. at Sandown because he likes it around Sandown. So that might be a possibility because he's hard to place now. So, he ran, yeah, he ran a mighty race yesterday. Because he's, he's, he's so close to being top class, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, and but he's just under that. And, of course, he runs off 159 all the time, carries 11, 12, and he's not very big. But so, you know, mighty proud of him, what he did yesterday. It just, it just didn't, you know, it just didn't work out for him. Quick note, Dave, on John Joe Neal Jr. Because he rode Native River to success, yeah, sure. and sadly Native River out for the season. Rode Native River to success in the Denman. He's ridden Mr. Malarkey here for Colin Tizard. He just looks so assured, doesn't he? Looks like he's been doing it forever. He does. I mean, every every week, he seems to be riding a a big Saturday winner at the moment. Uh, this association with Colin Tizard is bearing an orchard of fruit, isn't it? At the moment, uh, I wonder how far down the line it'll be before there's a there's a degree of permanence to that relationship. Yeah, well, I suppose Robbie Powell will be used until such time as, and then he yeah. seamlessly slots into that into that spot. Let's have a look at the rescheduled Kingwell Hurdle. Nice one, BHA Wincanton Kempton getting this sorted out. And um, sorry, Paul. <laughs> sorry, Paul. We're going to have to go through this all over again. Because you mentioned that Harry Cobden had given himself a hard time. So just talk us through it from your point of view. Adrian Dupont, the pink cap, and the winner yeah. song for someone is the white cap being rousted along. No, Diego de Diego Chanel, sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, no, he's been chasing. Um, he ran to a good level and he was very fit. He's been working great. And I just said, if you're going well turning in, stride on, get first running, see if you keep trying to pinch a race in effect. And basically, he very nearly did. He, look, he's got them all, all at it behind him. Um, run a mighty, mighty race for horses he's been chasing in that level against those horses. So, he's yeah, just a bit unlucky. Wings the last. But the winner, he picked up really, really well late on. Even all the way at the run, we thought, I just thought, he, you know, he held off Chidabello. He gets mugged on the line. <laughs> yeah, that, that, it's a mighty run. So, I don't know, how embarrassing. Well, <laughs> what must those people around you be thinking? Well, they've had on... Uh, God. <laughs> there we are. Um, but enthusiasm. But he, you know, he's run a he's, he ran a he ran a, a mighty race, and um, you know, he's good for Tom Simmons to win a good race. Yeah. And he's a good young man. He trains well. They need breakthrough horses like that to get through. So, you know, that, that was good for him. And you know, it's another day for Diego. Where's the, is Diego? Will Diego go uh, to Cheltenham? Somewhere? No, he's not in it. Cheltenham. He's hard to place. You know, he's quite a high mark. I think he's 157 or so over fences, so that makes life hard. He's not a grade one horse, so oh, I don't know, he might go in the red run at Aintree. The other race might be interesting as a Scottish champion hurdle, even, you know, limited handicap, but mm. better ground. He's brilliant fresh, so he wouldn't want to run too soon. If you could train any horse to run in the champion hurdle this year, given the likely prevailing conditions, who would it be? Pentland Hills. I think Pentland Hills will win the champion hurdle. I don't know why I thought that all along. He was last year's triumph winner. Um, he's just had his win tinkered with and maybe that was just making him come up a little bit short. Um, he's got loads of pace which you need in the race. Um, if it dried a fraction, I think he could win. What do you think, Dave? Uh, well, I think Epitont has got the most 
persuasive piece of form in the race, <coughs> which was the Christmas hurdle. The thing is, she's only she's only really got one piece of persuasive form. Um, a, a horse that at bigger prices. Um, I, I think would be interesting would be Charger, but of course there's just the difficulty with the ground, isn't yeah. there? You uh -huh. know, he's he's done very little wrong. He's a multiple Grade One winner. But the blew out in the Irish Champion. Yes, he did, of course, and, and for no real apparent reason on ground that should have suited him. But uh, I think he's got more pluses than minuses against him, but one big negative might be the ground. Well, that's for another day and for doubtless every day between now and, and three weeks' time. But let's talk to Tom Simmons, because Tom enjoyed a really important success yesterday with, with Song for Someone, and as Paul Nichols was saying, great for him and his yard. Tom, good morning. Morning, Nick. Morning to everybody. How uh, are you? We're very well. I'm sure not quite as well as you, and I would imagine yesterday was a cause of, uh, for, for great celebration. What a tough performance. Yeah, I um, have to say, I was half, you know, at home straight. I was thinking to myself, I've made the wrong decision here because I should have gone to Fontwell. Uh, because you know, if you'd said to me when we first had this horse, he'd win round Kempton in a sharp two miles on good to soft ground, I think you were mad. But he's, you know, as Paul probably tell you, these horses, the better horses, um, can deal with that kind of, you know, ask and still win, which he did. Um, and um, you know, he just. Missed the last, which he hasn't, he hasn't really missed his hurdles very much, but um, still got his neck out in the end. Um, for which, Paul, I do apologise. <laughs> um, your reactions, I would imagine, were the polar opposites to Paul's. Your, your sort of snatching, unlikely victory from the jaws of defeat and Paul vice versa. What, where do you see your horse's career panning out from here, Tom, ideally? Well, I think, you know, Sir Peter and Lady Gibbings um, are the, you know, the sort of type of owners that like to underplay things and do the best thing for the horse so this year you know i always describe it as sort of you know that sort of second album having won seven grammys with your first because he did very well in his his first juvenile year and you know we wouldn't have run him in a grade one at aintree if we didn't think he had a chance but he still ran very well in a race that didn't really suit him so we were always quite keen to um go as low as we possibly could um, and then he blew that out of the water at Fontwell first time out for, um, um, under top weight um, because he does jump fences really well I mean he's a flatbread you know he's from the family of Balanchine and by Medician but he he's a you know got a bit of physique about him and as I say he's a good operator at an obstacle but particularly good over a fence at home anyway so that would be where I'll be looking for um, at, well for, for at him next year anyway. So we need to be getting on for the 2021 Arkle now? <clears throat> uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what is that? What is that? Left a long way off, but you know, um, as um, you know, looking at these juveniles like Paul's horse yesterday. I mean, what a gorgeous horse Solo was. You know, he looks like he's going to be a chaser as well. You know, these they're horses that you want to mind a bit. And actually, I half question whether we should have gone chasing as a four-year-old, but, you know, there come sometimes a long time of offences starting off um, that young, but it didn't do Clander Zebra any harm, mind you, so... For sure. And is there much left for him this season? Um, possibly. I, 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 the question I was just on the phone to Lady Gibbings there, just saying, you know, you could go look at Aintree of a two-and-a-half there. He isn't in anything at Cheltenham, obviously, and... Um, uh, or there's the, the other option is you could pop back to... Um, uh, Paris with him maybe, um, but yeah, I, I think you know we were thinking maybe one more run if possible, but it's not the end of the world. We didn't run again, to be honest. And your owners have been incredibly good supporters, and you've had some some fantastic horses for them as well. It must have been massively satisfying to give them a, a win like that. Very much so, and you know, Sir Peter isn't well, so this is the way that we kind of give him his you know 
um, tour around the country when he can watch his horse, and he loves this horse in particular. Um, well, who doesn't love a horse like that? The one you saw yesterday. Um, but they are, they, and it is great because you know they are huge supporters and um, have maintained huge amounts of faith in in us. And um, you know to deliver. Um, a victory like that yesterday was 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 really satisfying, and you know it's a huge team. They have them at home themselves in the summer, and their groom Louise. You know we all have a plan for how they come over from France, and we give them their time off, and then we make a very clear structure of the season going forward. So it's nice when it comes off. Tom, thanks so much. Well done. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Tom Simmons, trainer of Song for Someone, and as Paul Nichols was saying, great triumph for him and his stable and for the owners of Peter and Lady Gibbings. Right, a double yesterday for Tom Cannon. It began in the Pendle Novices' Chase with Who Dares Wins. But again, uh, it was the sort of day, Paul, where you could have ended up with four or five winners, wasn't it? I mean, this horse in front, Master Tommy Tucker. Oh, this must be infuriating. Three falls in four, but he's got a bundle of yeah. ability. Yeah, that was the one that I think got away yesterday. Um... He's breezing along, he's got huge talent, he beat the winner before. Talk about frustrating, because yesterday, as Harry said, he was brilliant. He would jump, he's not a bad jumper, as you can no. see, he jumped absolutely brilliantly to that one, I don't know, lapse of concentration of what it is, because he has got all the scope in the world, he can fiddle, he can jump. Why he did that yesterday, God only knows when he's breezing along. He's got huge talent, so he's run six times now in his life, he's won three and fell three. And... I, you know, you sometimes wonder what you can do to get him, get him back right because he does all. He jumped, he'll jump brilliantly, and we do lots with him. Um, he, as you can see, he can jump, and you know, one or two said, oh, "Why don't you go back over hurdles?" Well, that'd be the worst thing you could do because you'd mm. take a step back. You'd probably make him worse. So we've got to stick to it, and he'll get there. <sighs> what well, I mean, what do you do now? You can't go to Cheltenham, I suppose. Can no, you? no, you won't go to Cheltenham. We go to Newbury on Saturday. If he's all right, which Clifford said he's this morning. Cantor and Damar is school every day next week and do different little things with him. Um, and we'll run him at Newbury on Saturday if he's all right. And you had Southfield Stone finish second yeah. here. That was a fine run <clears> from him. It was. You probably didn't notice he made a horrific mistake at the ditch down the far side that cost him a bit of ground. But he, he stayed on strongly. He probably won't go to Cheltenham as well. He'll, he'll go somewhere else, might get a waiting tree. Um, but he's improving, horse, yeah. So you, you sort of come out of yesterday <coughs> go driving, driving... Well, I don't suppose you did drive mm. home, did you? No. No, drive, drive here. Mm. Um, what, what were, you, were you happy with the day? Annoyed with the day? Frustrated? What, what were your overriding emotions? No, it, was a, it was a great day. Um, frustrated with Master Tommy Tucker. Delighted with them all. I mean, you know, we don't like getting beat, but I was delighted, delighted with Diego yesterday. Yeah. You know, he ran really well. And Black Cordon ran well. They all ran well. The only one I was really thinking going into yesterday that would be going to Cheltenham was, was the one we were looking forward to was Solo. And that, that was just... That was what we wanted to see yesterday, and so, yeah, it was an exciting day. Well, you got that sorted out. It was an exciting day, as you mm. said, for Tom Simmons. It yeah. was also an exciting day for, for Tom Cannon, mm. who rode Who Dares Wins. He also rode Mystical Clouds, mm. and between the two, he rode Highway 102. So apologies, I deprived him of one winner earlier mm. on. Highway 102 we're going to have a look at in a few moments' time, but Tom's on the line now. Uh, Tom, good morning. Congratulations. Thanks very much. Yeah, morning, Nick. Morning, everyone. Um, Leighton who we will talk to very shortly, he might have stolen your thunder with his retirement announcement a little bit, but I don't suppose you mind a little a bit about that. No, no, no. It's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good day. I mean, just just having one winner on a Saturday is good, and uh, you know, have three is uh, you know, it's, it's great. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it took nothing away from it. Leighton, you know, retiring. It's uh, you know, it's a shame that he's retiring, but you know, he's, he's gone out in one piece. That's the main thing. We'll talk about that shortly. I, I know there's nothing, nothing more enjoyable for us 
that when Chris Gordon trains a, a big race winner because you never quite know what he's going to say uh, after the race. But I'd imagine there were smiles all around. Highway 102 looks like a real prospect for you. No, no, I mean, it's, it's good with that horse. can do the talking, can't he? Um, you know, he's a, you know, there was no fluke about that yesterday. And, uh, you know, hopefully he's, he can go on to, you know, better things. But it was, a, you know, a really good performance. And uh, like I said, I don't think, I think everyone was just happy and uh, relieved. You know, that he, he looked good at Bumpton and uh, it's just nice that, you know, he's gone and done it in a better race. But the, I think the salient point that Chris made was that Plumpton it was on really wet ground. It was more of a stamina test. Yesterday was more of a test of speed, and he coped with it absolutely fine. Yeah, I mean, luckily the ground was probably still gluey enough. Um, but you know, just you know, it just it just just he, he seems to go on that, and it seemed to help him. And it just you know, it just it does just help him a bit, which uh, you know, obviously played to our strengths. Maybe on good ground, it would have been you know slightly different. But um, you know, luckily there's still enough juice in the ground, and uh, like I say, he's, he's a young horse, hopefully going places. So. Um, well, and he'll be going to Cheltenham next. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think I've spoken to Chris this morning. I think he's uh, he's come out of the race well, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not completely sure what the uh, the next uh, call is going to be. But um, you know, there's, there's obviously a few options. But you know, now his handicap mark has gone out. That's probably ruled them out. So I know he was in the Imperial Cup, but you know, probably give that swerve now. And uh, you know, whether he goes Cheltenham or whether they wait to entry, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure. Well, will ground be a major factor? If it was very soft at Cheltenham, would would you say to be a likelier runner? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, he'd probably go on better ground. I just think, you know, he's probably a nice horse, and uh, I mean, Chris is one that he'd never risk his horse if the ground did get too quick. So, um, you know, I'd leave it up to Chris. I mean, um, you know, I don't think he's Chris under, under no pressure from the owner to go anywhere in particular. So, um, he'll do what's best by the horse, and uh, you know, that's probably what he'll do. So. And the other two horses, who dares wins? We've just seen that. We were talking about that with Paul. Um, he's a, a pretty uncomplicated horse, really, isn't he? No, no, he's very uncomplicated. You know, he, um, he, look, he stays well. He'd probably get a bit further than two, two and a half. Um, you know, he, he always hits a flat spot and then, you know, he can finish well. So, um, obviously, I've got a bit, a bit lucky with our master, Tommy Tucker, um, you know, taking a fall when he was going well. Um, but, you know, I finished close to him the last day, um, you know, when I was off the ride a long way out and I just made a mistake at the last. So, uh, you know, might have made a race of it, but like you say, you know, he did nothing wrong and, and he really knuckled down from the back of the last. So, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a really, really cracking horse. They still he does on the flat over hurdles and uh, no over fences. So, and Mystical Clouds has well completed the 219 to 1 treble. This association with Alan King seems to be working out really well now. No, yeah, it's, um, you know, he's, um, it's, you know, it's been good. I've, you know, obviously since Wayne retired, you know, I've been getting a few more rides and obviously Tom Bellamy's, you know, been getting a few more rides as well and, uh, you know, it's, it's great to have a few winners on a Saturday like that. You know, he's um, been quiet enough over the last few weeks and months because the ground's been bad and and all the rest of it. But um, hopefully they're hitting the bit of form now and, uh, yeah, you know, make hay well towards the end of the season, hopefully. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Equiwell Dubai. I talked to Paul earlier on the programme about the likely ground at Cheltenham. Earlier this week, uh, Don McLean caught up with the clerk of the course and director of racing, Simon Clace. I'm sure the build-up to the Cheltenham Festival starts about 360 days before it, but it, we're just into build-up territory now, aren't we? Uh, we are, and every year is different, and it's interesting that pretty well since October Saturday, the showcase meeting, we've been on soft or heavy ground. Uh, that Friday we lost in November, first time we've ever lost that particular day. Um, from the pictures that everybody 
would have seen with the amount of water that was sitting there. That was really a no-brainer, but we were lucky to get the Saturday and Sunday away uh, and, and run two of Friday races across the weekend too, which was helpful. But um, it seems to have been raining with us since mid-September, uh, and the outlook is looking a little more settled though, so we hope that things might slowly dry out. Therefore, does it take decision-making, decisions on whether to water or not, or how much to put on out of your hands, and it's, it's just natural, that's just the way it is? Uh, certainly, in a, in not in our current plans at the moment. Um, and it's been interesting that we have had uh, short dry spells since the turn of the year, maybe seven to ten days, but the ground hasn't really changed in, in those time frames. So uh, there's a lot of moisture in there. I think it'll take a, a lot of dry weather to um, change our minds about any watering. And the last, I think the last two Cheltenham festivals, the ground has been softer than it had been in previous years. Uh, it? it certainly has. The last two uh, soft, heavy in places pretty well across the four days. Um, so I think uh, two years ago, in 2018, that was the first time we'd had heavy in the description for 35 years, and then we had it for the second time in 36 years. Uh, it, would, it would be strange if it was to happen three times in a row. And how does that impact on you in terms of course management or rail movements and the like? Uh, well, as you're probably aware, you know, we, we saved the ground for the festival uh, right the way through the season. So the, the ground that we're going to be running on across the four days, we haven't set foot on since uh, March of last year. So 90 plus percent of the ground is fresh, obviously where the old and course, new courses intersect. Uh, not a great deal we can do about those, uh, and, and those will always sit a little bit softer. And is the old course uh, are the similar types of ground on the old course and the new course as one quick Yeah, I walked all of the courses uh, last Friday and they're very consistent across both chase tracks, both uh, hurdle tracks and across country as well. And if I was giving uh, a going description at the moment, I'd be calling it uh, soft, heavy in places everywhere. Cross-country course as well, yeah? Uh, Cross-country course as well, yeah. But that one will dry out a little bit more quickly. Um, you know, that is the course that is a challenge for us in, in a dry spring, but uh, not looking like it this year. So what, what are your... What are your plans now for the course in the, in the immediate run-up to the festival, to the opening day? Well, the team are busy getting all the infrastructure in place, so most of the rail is in at the moment. The hurdles are going in this week. Uh, we like to have everything set up at least a fortnight in advance because, again, although we're not expecting any cold weather if it turned particularly cold, uh, or we had snow as we did two years ago, that would bring everything to a halt. So uh, within a fortnight of racing, uh, all the tracks are set up and ready to go, and we just spend our last week or two keeping the place neat and tidy, uh, cutting the grass. It's interesting that having had such a mild winter, uh, how how the grass has come on we've cut the course three times already um, currently can't travel on it because it's too wet but it's looking in great shape and do you enjoy the build-up to the festival or are you just too too worried about what what other things that you have to do uh, no we do enjoy it and of course this time last year uh, the, the whole of racing was facing the challenges brought about by equine influenza and i've kept my fingers crossed when i've said to a few people you know nobody's dealing with that this time around so that that's making the run-up a little less challenging than it was last year um, but you know i've been at it now for 20 years there's always something will uh, come out of the woodwork but uh, no we we love the preparations um, but can't wait until we get started in a couple of weeks' time. And when it does start then, can you relax a little bit and enjoy it, or are you on tenterhooks throughout the week as well? I don't know many people in, in my role, whether it's, whether it's here in Ireland or back home as clerks of the course, who really react, relax through the racing. Uh, one, when one tends to wait until the meeting is over before you can really enjoy what's happened across the four days. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai.
I talked to Paul earlier on the programme about the likely ground at Cheltenham. Earlier this week, uh, Don McLean caught up with the clerk of the course and director of racing, Simon Clace. I'm sure the build-up to the Cheltenham Festival starts about 360 days before it, but it, we're just into build-up territory now, aren't we? Uh, we are, and every year is different, and it's interesting that pretty well since October Saturday, the showcase meeting, we've been on soft or heavy ground. Uh, that Friday we lost in November, first time we've ever lost that particular day, um, from the pictures that everybody would have seen with the amount of water that was sitting there, that was really a no-brainer, but we were lucky to get the Saturday and Sunday away. Uh, and, and run two of Friday races across the weekend too, which was helpful. But um, it seems to have been raining with us since mid-September, uh, and the outlook is looking a little more settled though, so we hope that things might slowly dry out. Therefore, does it take decision-making, decisions on whether to water or not, or how much to put on out of your hands, and it's, it, it's just natural, that's just the way it is? Uh, certainly in a, in not in our current plans at the moment. Um, and it's been interesting that we have had uh, short dry spells since the turn of the year, maybe seven to ten days, but the ground hasn't really changed in, in those time frames. So uh, there's a lot of moisture in there. I think it'll take a, a lot of dry weather to um, change our minds about any watering. And the last, I think the last two Cheltenham festivals, the ground has been softer than it had been in previous years. Well, it certainly has. The last two uh, soft, heavy in places, pretty well across the four days. Um, so I think uh, two years ago, in 2018, that was the first time we'd had heavy in the description for 35 years, and then we had it for the second time in 36 years. Uh, it, would, it would be strange if it was to happen three times in a row. And how does that impact on you in terms of course management or rail movements and the like? Uh, well, as you're probably aware, you know, we, we saved the ground for the festival uh, right the way through the season. So the, the ground that we're going to be running on across the four days, we haven't set foot on since uh, March of last year. So 90 plus percent of the ground is fresh, obviously where the old and course, new courses intersect. Uh, not a great deal we can do about those, uh, and, and those will always sit a little bit softer. And is the old course, uh, are the similar types of ground on the old course and the new course as one quick Yeah, I walked all of the courses uh, last Friday and they're very consistent across both chase tracks, both uh, hurdle tracks and across country as well. And if I was giving uh, a going description at the moment, I'd be calling it uh, soft, heavy in places everywhere. Cross country chases course as well, yeah? Uh, cross country course as well, yeah. But that one will dry out a little bit more quickly. Um, you know, that is the course that is a challenge for us in, in a dry spring, but uh, not looking like it this year. So what, what are your what are your plans now for the course in the, in the immediate run-up to the festival, to the opening day? Well, the team are busy getting all the infrastructure in place, so most of the rail is in at the moment. The hurdles are going in this week. Uh, we like to have everything set up at least a fortnight in advance because, again, although we're not expecting any cold weather if it turned particularly cold, uh, or we had snow as we did two years ago, that would bring everything to a halt. So uh, within a fortnight of racing, uh, all the tracks are set up and ready to go, and we just spend our last week or two keeping the place neat and tidy, uh, cutting the grass. It's interesting that having had such a mild winter, uh, how how the grass has come on we've cut the course three times already um, currently can't travel on it because it's too wet but it's looking in great shape and do you enjoy the build-up to the festival or are you just too too worried about what what other things that you have to do uh, no we do enjoy it and of course this time last year uh, the, the whole of racing was facing the challenges brought about by equine influenza and i've kept my fingers crossed when i've said to a few people you know nobody's dealing with that this time around so that that's making the run-up a little less challenging than it was last year um, but you know i've been at it now for 20 years there's always something will uh, come out of the woodwork but uh, no we we love the preparations 
Um, but can't wait until we get started in a couple of weeks' time. And when it does start then, can you relax a little bit and enjoy it, or are you on tenderhooks through, throughout the week as well? I don't think there are many people in, in my role, whether it's, whether it's here in Ireland or back home as clerks of the course, who really react, relax through the racing. Uh, one, when one tends to wait until the meeting is over before you can really enjoy what's happened across the four days. Simon Clace there with an update on the state of conditions at Cheltenham, which is not too far away. What is it, just over two weeks until the tapes go up for the Supreme Novices Hurdle. Uh, Paul Nichols is still with me, 11 times champion and four-time Gold Cup winning trainer. David Yates is sporting a, an interesting bit of headwear, and that is as homage to my latest guest, Rosie Margerson, um, amateur rider extraordinaire, uh, blogger even more extraordinaire, mainly courtesy of the great bean caribbean spring your beloved horse that whose whose adventures you have been chronicling extensively on twitter and that have gone down like a house on fire so thank you for coming in and sharing it with us and and dave is sporting the the life of bean cap anything that covers up my face i thought viewers would uh, welcome well we offered it to paul but it went straight down the line he wasn't having a bar of it <laughs> i think it suits you rather well i don't normally wear uh, baseball hats except when i visit hot countries but it's very nice and it doesn't have too much branding on it other than Life of Bean, so that's all. We're all winners, aren't we? So, for those who haven't seen Life of Bean, tell us about Bean and why his life has been chronicled by you, his beloved rider. I mean, he's always just been, he's a badly behaved racehorse, basically. He's particularly naughty, and I found it quite amusing. Um, a lot of people probably would get frustrated with him, but he's the kind of horse you just have to sit back and laugh and let him be him. Um, and so, I was sort of telling people about it on my own Twitter and some of my own followers were getting a bit tired of it and um, Polly Bonner from Saracen suggested you should set up his account. I thought who on earth is going to follow a 56 rated, very average, particularly naughty racehorse and here we are with three and a half thousand followers, he's got a club, he's got his own hats and it's just gone down a storm. <laughs> and when he, so just tell us about his roots to being your horse if you like or the horse that you ride every day so he came into your your dad's yard yeah as age, a, three. age three uh, age three he was at Dermot Worlds he was broken in in Ireland um, he came to us he was just sort of he needed to grow he needed time um, and initially Jane Elliot our apprentice rode him and she tried to tell him what to do and the pair of them were it was quite funny to watch we were just arguing most of the way down the Warren Hill and for some reason, whether it be it that dad wanted mum dead or <laughs> mum decided to ride him. <laughs> and the death wish ended up back on him because um, after about a year of, of riding him, mum was really getting to grips with him. He'd strengthened up hugely. He was doing really well. And Bean decided he was having a bad day and ran straight for dad and very nearly ploughed him down. <laughs> and at that point, it was decided that I would take over. And the rest is history as such. But as, I, as I've been reading and as I know from knowing you a little bit, it's fair, is it not, to say that before you went to Australia and had a spell with David Hayes, you were not that confident in your own ability as a, yeah. as a rider, and that completely changed everything. Yeah, very much so. I was, Dad would put me on very quiet rides. I'd come home on the weekend, and, and whoever had that quiet ride would have it stolen for me, um, and I would ride it and still be very concerned the whole time. I just wasn't, I wouldn't relax. I would be on tender hooks the whole time. It was just, we decided it was just the kind of rider I was, and there was no sort of progress route. Um, and then I went to Australia, got thrown on everything possible, you know, they didn't, I wasn't anyone's kid, I was just, you know, you're riding that, you're being paid to ride. Um, and I finally realised that if I just get on with it, I'm alright. 
and I only fell off once in two weeks, which I was quite proud of, and it wasn't my fault when I fell off, so. Because at no point at that time were you thinking you'd ride in races? No, God, no. Katie had the amateur licence, and that was fine with Katie, me. Katie, your sister? Yeah, she, she was taking over it, and I was more than happy with that. I didn't think I'd ever want to. Um, and then I came home, I started riding Bean. Uh, Jane said what a cracking ride he was at the races, and initially I thought she was joking. And then I, I pushed Katie out the door and made her retire, which she was not very happy with, because we couldn't have us both doing it at the same time, so we've only got 18 horses in the yard. And yeah, I had my first ride on him at Pontefract, and he was an angel. I thought I was going to be sick halfway round, it was just crazy. I couldn't believe I was doing it. And then I was hooked, and within three races we'd won together, so... To much acclaim and rapture. Hadn't you won the charity race as well? Yeah. You won the charity race at Ascot. Five days later, yeah. Southall. You won, a, you won a real race, if yeah. you like, at, <laughs> at, at Southall. Yeah. Which gave you the bigger kick? Ascot. I mean, <laughs> Ascot, even though it wasn't a real race as such, just winning there as it's dad, one of Dad's favourite tracks. Dad was there. Um, it was just pinnacle. It was just an amazing moment. And on him too, because he beat a lot of... We were all on the same level weights. And there was a horse rated 20 pounds higher than him that came second. And if it had wanted to beat him, it could have. And he just wanted it more. We've got a little bit of footage of you and Bean together. Now, <laughs> I, <laughs> I can see what you mean. He doesn't give you an easy time, does he? No. He's just, he has fun. We, me and Mum always laugh. We never quite figure out what quite triggers him. A lot of people have said you should put a hood on him, try different things. But he is, <laughs> he is who he is. There's... <laughs> <laughs> He's quite well known around Newmarket, isn't he? He's oh, God, yeah. Stouts, that's Charlie Fellows there who said hello, Bean, and Bean didn't take well to it. Um, <laughs> and uh, George Scott String, for example, whenever they come towards us, all give it the Bean yell, and he will, of course, launch into one because he quite likes his own name being yelled. So has he now become, do you think he, you and he as a partnership have become even more famous than John Berry? Riding out around Newmarket, the most recognisable. You are now the most recognisable <laughs> figures around the Heath. Say we're on par, yeah. That, you that'd be good. I'm not going to wear shorts, but yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> or wellies. No shorts, no wellies. Oh, yeah. That, Maybe that would be a struggle on him. <laughs> but I think what, what's lovely is the extent to which this has captured people's imagination. Yeah. People just love seeing your relationship with a horse mm. and they've, they've really got to know him. And we'll, we'll talk with Barry Johnson and Brant Dunshay toward the end of the programme. And yeah, there's an awful lot in that, you know. Mm necessarily quite dry 130 page document on the table that talks about engagement with the public and engagement with the welfare yeah. of the horse and your story is yeah, a fantastic example yeah. of that. I hope so, that's what I kind of intended it to do, it was, it was initially sort of to promote dad as a trainer because he's a brilliant trainer and this horse has been wonderfully consistent, you know he's, he's rated 55 but he's earned over 23 grand at prize money for us, you know he's paid for himself, he's a wonderful little horse but it was an issue to do that, but then when I started getting the engagement I did from various people in other sports as well, which is really nice. It's quite hard to engage, I find, mm. the eventers in racing. The eventing and racing are very different sort of scenes, and they don't necessarily normally merge. And I've got a lot of eventers following him. Is that right? Yeah. And that is good, more cross-pollination yeah. between other equestrian sports. Now, Paul, you do not have much experience of lowly rated flat horses, <laughs> but you do have experience as a father of three daughters um, of putting your own kids on on horses, either either relatively safe ones or otherwise. Mm. How uh, how hard was that when they were younger? Well, <clears throat> you, you you know when Megan started point to point, and you try and be selective and pick out what you hope yeah. would be fairly nice, safe rides. And she she was lucky to have Guanaco, who started off as a schoolmaster for her. It was an, you know older horse had been around the clock a bit, 
but you know you need to match them up with the right sort of horse really I mean obviously I've been lucky to be in the, they're lucky and I'm lucky to be in the situation to have access to some quite nice horses and Olive is going to be the next one who's um, going to point to point um, she's doing eventing and everything else at the moment but I think next year not 2021 she can ride point to point so she's already got old guard lined up so he's, he's had a leg problem that's what he, I call planning he's it's so he basically had a he, he, he had a leg problem um, he needs a year off basically where he's had most of that now and he he's going to come back and be 11 so he's mm. not going to be effective you know to be asked to run under rules so if he can give Olive two years point to point and what a schoolmaster he'd be. He would be a serious schoolmaster yeah. and can you identify with what Rosie was saying about you go away from home yeah. and you get a bit more confidence yeah. because you you can't really be looked after by someone who's not your parent because yeah. however like blinkered you try and yeah. be you can't get away from it if it's your yeah. child it's your child. Yeah I get that completely and you know Megan by going away from me has been the making of her and she's learned so much and I see that completely. And in terms of Bean, where's his next step? Uh, we're headed to Southall on the 26th <coughs> of March, I think. But if, if a race comes up before then uh, for an apprentice, he will, he'll run in it to avoid me getting killed on the heath because so, he's very fresh. So, <laughs> so how, how difficult are you with the other people who ride him? How protective are you of him? Um, he mainly has only girls ride him. I right. much prefer, he, he prefers a female ride. Uh, Jane Elliott, for example, got on with him like a house on fire, uh, but she's no longer claiming, and we can only have claiming apprentices on him. Our, our new apprentice, who hasn't had a ride yet, Abby Pearce, mm -hmm. might well have her first ride on him, and hopefully they'll get along well. He sounds like the sort of horse that, God willing, and if he stays in one piece, he should go on and on, oh, and, yeah. on and on and on. I reckon we've got another four or five years. Because he's clearly like quite likes taking, gently he... taking the mickey out of everybody. <laughs> He looks after himself. He's very sensible at home. Although yeah. he's an idiot, you know, with <laughs> the best of times when he is being silly, on the counter and in gallops, he's very logical with himself. He will only go to the best of himself. He won't go over. He won't sort of injure himself for the sake of it. But on, at the races, I've never known a more competitive animal. He turns into a different creature. As soon as he's at the race, he's a professional. He literally gets there. He'll canter down impeccably. Nothing. You could throw a plastic bag at him in the races. He wouldn't move. At home, I dread to think. And he gets in the stalls, he watches the flag man, the flag man goes, he jumps. And he's just the perfect animal to race. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel, Dubai. A chat with a man who brought the curtain down on what's been a, a pretty impressive career for the final time. And he says it is the final time. Oh, he announced it yesterday. He's going to bow out today at Fontwell Park with two rides, one for Oliver Sherwood, one for Nick Gifford. He's on the line now. Leighton Aspel, good morning. Good morning, Nick. How are you feeling today as you, as you head to your, your local and much-loved track, Fontwell, for those final two rides? Uh, <clears throat> I, I feel great. Um, and, you know, just after you know, thinking about it and trying to plan it uh, recently, you know, for the day to finally arrive and actually... Um, it's, it's, it's a bit of a relief. How how long has it been in the planning? Uh, it's been on my mind for a, a couple of months. Um, I was thinking maybe the end of the season, then entry or Cheltenham, and then sort of then it comes down to well maybe the next winner. Uh, but anyway, when when I seen the the fixture list and you know if Portman was going to beat the weather, then I, I decided it was going to be today. And. You, you retired before for a, a couple of seasons and then came back. I, I couldn't believe it when I read it. It's, it's actually 11 years or 10 or 11 years since your comeback. Could you have imagined when you made a comeback that it would last then so long, the second incarnation? Uh, 
No. Um, well, one, I couldn't imagine it would last that long, and B, how you know how how great it was, go- it was going to be. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, it was it's, just, it's been eleven great seasons. It really has, and such consistency yeah. as well. And and those and the, the the two grand nationals, the back-to-back grand nationals, which earned you earned you your place in history. Uh, that is a, that is extraordinary, and you'll forever be associated with. With with many clouds, how much does it mean to you that there is a there is a signature horse, if you like, that that's associated with your career? Well, uh, it's very special, uh, um, and you know, it be the places that you know no other horse has, and uh, you know, it, you know, whereas whereas our profile from winning the Hennessy, and then you know, many great races around Cheltenham, and then you know, of course, entry. And I, I sort of was a little bit sad when I heard you'd retire because I thought I wondered whether you might get that last Cheltenham winner. But I guess you can go on forever thinking thinking <laughs> that. Yeah, uh, there wasn't a lot for Cheltenham this year. Uh, um, anything with, you know with chances or anything. So uh, you know, I'd always mostly been concentrating on, on other meetings that week. But uh, you know, and, and very happy to do so. But yeah, no, Cheltenham was looking quiet. What did you enjoy most about race riding in the in the latter part of your career, where you seem to be very happy and settled? What did I enjoy? Well, I, I, I just always enjoyed the, the, the you know the, the the competitiveness of it, of it, and and then you know just being able to uh, you know just just get the best out of the best out of your horses, uh, you know through through experience and and, and knowledge of, of of courses and conditions and stuff like that, um, uh, and. Just, just enjoying the relationship then with, with, with connections and trainers. And I, I know you're a, a sort of deep thinker about the game, and that's something you want to harness in in your in your future career. In you, you were talking yesterday, I was watching your interview on ITV, and we've spoken about it before. Your interest in race reading and, and handicapping—that's a side of the sport you'd really like to get into. Yeah, it really would. It really would uh, uh, be of interest to me if, if an opportunity like that came along, uh, where you can still watch and be involved. Uh, you know, and enjoy the racing from the top end, you know, to, to, to the very, to the very bottom end, uh, and you know, dissect all of them and rate them, uh, and you know, it'd be, it'd be something that really would be of interest to me. And Leighton, what chance of a of a fairy tale finale this afternoon at Fontwell Park with your your two rides there? Oh, but it'd be great to have a winner. Um, Ventura Dragon was going really well at Leicester when he fell um, last time. Um, I seen last night that my my ride in the bumper was absolutely backed off the boards. People, I think, people think it's been laid out specially. It happens, but he he, he does everything nicely, and you know he will run really well, and even better if he won. But uh, uh, you know it's his first experience on the track and on a, on this really soft, heavy band as well. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting how we get on. Well, of course, you you wrote the first part of the of the fairy tale finish story for for Josh Gifford when you won on his final runner at Sandown Park in in 2003 I think it was 2-3 and uh and perhaps Nick can give you the f- final winner today in the in the bumper I hope he does uh Leighton best of luck and uh every best wish to you and your family okay thanks very much Nick Leighton Aspel who uh who retired from the saddle retired from the saddle this afternoon he's been a super horseman over the years uh, Paul hasn't he yeah he has I think he won the Welsh National he for did. me once on a horse called Lavinchore he did it was a spare ride and gave it a good ride and yeah, he's ridden loads of winners I mean you know, one of those hard working gentleman jockeys probably um always been out there working hard giving horses good rides and you know he won two Grand Nationals and he's thoroughly deserved 
the success he's gotten. Wouldn't it be good if he rode a winner today, especially for Nick Gifford? Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai. You've been listening to the Luck on Sunday podcast, the weekly digest of the best bits from Luck on Sunday, the programme that brings you the best guests and insights from around the racing world.